Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Rob Caggiano from Anthrax, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. Turn it up immediately. This is Jill Janis of Huntress, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Bella from Anthrax, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. All right, Chris, we are now recording. Um, so your voice changed. I know, weird, right? You know, it's in. in here's the funny part: podcaster voice. Well, thanks for having me on, Aaron. Well, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> you know, and thank you for calling me out on that because here's the deal: like, I know I do it. I've been doing it for for a few shows, and um, I wanted to up my enthusiasm. But at the same time, I really didn't want to change my my, my voice, the sound of my voice, and um, I did it anyway. Like I was trying to make a conscious effort. I'm like, well, I'm talking to Chris. Like this, this should just be like you know, just like us talking. It's just normal. And um, and so then, boom, I did it. And Fail. <laughs> yeah, you know, yes, yes, I did. So guys, welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast. Um, I have a guest with me tonight, uh, my buddy Chris. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've talked about you on the show before. I don't know if you've heard the show when I've talked to you, but I, I know I've talked about Chris on the show. But um, why my listeners, why my audience would know him is if you get this podcast and it's, you know, there's a graphic on it, uh, he designed that graphic. All the graphics that I use that are like the logo for the show, Chris designed all those. And I hope they, they've they been satisfactory. I, dude, I love them. I, got, and I, can, I can tell you this because um, Rock from uh, Radioactive Metal listens to this, to this show, or at least occasionally. And I was on his show like recently, but I remember when I first got the website set up and you first made me that logo and I figured out how to put it on there and I was doing something else with Rock and another graphic designer. I was doing like, I think I was doing an interview for um, Iron City Rocks at the time. And so I'm talking to Rock about, you know, like the site. He's like, oh, what's, what's the address? And I give it to him and he pulls it up. And the first thing he says, he just kind of goes silently, goes, nice logo. <laughs> and like, and Rock's a graphic designer as well. So I mean, like, you know, when another graphic designer takes notice, you know, you're doing something. Uh, right actually, here. I, I do take that probably as more uh, validation, uh, or you know, uh, again, uh, legitimate praise because a lot of times with work we enter in these contests. Um, and yeah, for all of you out there, I do this for a living. <laughs> he does. <clears throat> um, so we submit a lot of stuff for awards from year to year at these big design contests, but they let they let like. You just basically pay an entry fee, and you can enter as many times as you want. And they get like, I don't know. There was one time I saw a stat. Oh, we had over twenty-four thousand entries. But when you look at how many how many awards they awarded, they awarded like ten thousand. Oh my. Now they weren't all the top top winners, but from basically gold, silver to bronze to a honorable mention, ten one third of the people in these things um, win something, and you. Usually get a certificate for free, but you have to pay for a statuette or pay for additional certificates. So it's really just a business. Um, so to get uh, you know positive feedback from you know someone that's not solicited from is always better. So, so could we do that with guitars? Like let's have guitar. a let's have a guitar contest. Send me your guitar. We'll pick the best ones. You know, twenty four thousand entries. You mean, mean like the, the, the physical guitar, like picture? Yeah, of it? Cool. yeah. Like you know, like like you think anybody'd buy that? Probably not, huh? Well, I, well, it actually, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, but think, yeah, think about that a custom thing, or everyone's gonna like you know, hey, look at my uh, my you know 
Gibson LP. It's got this great fireburst. Oh, well, they made about 3,000 of those. So <laughs> it isn't really that unique. So, you know, it's funny, though, like when you talk about like this art competition, and that sort of stuff. Is there any other profession other than something involving the arts where there's not a pay to play kind of thing? Oh, don't get me wrong. Not all contests are like that. They're like, actually, funny thing is, Niel, my wife, uh, she won an award for her work, and she also works uh, at a government agency. Well, she works specifically at the government agency. I'm with a contractor. Um, but And she's in public health and doing you know outreach and marketing for public health uh, topics. They're, one of their pieces won something, but it's a very select group of judges, not a pay. You don't have to pay to enter. Um, they almost do it like the Oscars. So she had to go downtown and wow. you know, have a little reception, and and they don't know who's won. They only invite the nominees, so it has a little more air of, you know, excitement about it. A little more mystery. Yeah, and you don't pay for the award. They give it to you, and you go home. Oh, that's nice. So, you know, so uh, there are design contests like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to. I'm just talking about the big ones. These big uh, companies that will rename or remain nameless. Um, that do these type of contests and there are many of them um, and businesses do it to win these awards and some have a little more cred than others but it's really just so to pad your corporate resume that we won an award for our XYZ piece and you know but when you see the stats you really don't know how well you're doing or not that's what it comes down and I'm going to digress but into marketing and other stuff you really want to see on the ground what kind of response and changes in behavior or you know from a business standpoint you're selling more widgets now because of your creative efforts uh and creative can be you know i do love selling widgets yeah (laughs) so uh so to bring it back full circle actually essentially um rocks praise makes you feel better than the corporate contest is what you're getting at absolutely all right there we go oh man hey so did you get a chance to watch any of the videos i sent you uh i i started looking i was kind of at work so (laughs) i couldn't do a lot um but i was it's first one I clicked on was actually the last one, which is the Altoids amp thing. Oh, okay. I don't even know if I watched that one. I just I found um, it and I figured I'd send it to you. Um, and, I mean, I did look at them all real quick to see in, like, the title pictures on YouTube. Like, for example, I brought up the first one on your list right now. If, if, if we end up uh, talking about it, referencing it specifically, you need to see a clip. But uh, the Altoids thing, like, there's a – I've seen, um, uh, like, Altoid, other Altoids box – Mods or maker videos where the one, the last one I specifically saw out of curiosity was um, someone took basically put a full on uh, gaming, uh, was it like a Game Boy or, or, or some, or I think it was using emulators, uh, like open source emulators, into a Raspberry Pi um, with the, those little, uh, you know, circuit boards you can get for like 35 bucks and they have the, oh, on, yeah. yeah, I don't know, you're familiar. So, yeah. Um, but they do all that, and it has the button. You flip open the case, and there's the buttons to run it like a little Game Boy. And it has a little hole in the side if you want to plug in an SD card to load a game or something like that. It was You could probably even Google I mean, if you're on YouTube now, you could probably even find it. But, yeah, I think there's a – I mean, I've only seen a few. I mean, yours would be maybe the third one I've seen, but uh, uh, three is always a good number. So I would say there's probably <laughs> a fair amount of uh, people doing stuff with Altoid boxes uh, in, in ways they weren't meant to. It, it uh, seems to be just like a great shape because like that, that Altoids box amp, one of the reasons I sent it to you is um, Reverb.com. Have you and I talked about Reverb? Uh, I don't know. If, 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 if we did, refresh my memory. If we okay. Didn't, so Reverb.com, essentially, um, 
Long story short, the guy that owns Chicago Music Exchange bought a Chicago Music Exchange because he tried to start Reverb.com, realized it was very hard to break into the music business, get suppliers, all that sort of stuff, and figured he'd be better off buying an established store, kept the URL, and then decided to do his online, kind of his own online music community um, sales kind of place, right? So why I dig it is it's kind of like eBay because they can do auctions and buy it nows and all that sort of stuff. But it's more like like going to a music mall or a music flea market. Honestly, it's, it's like like having a guitar show online. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, you know, when you go to a guitar show and just walk from booth to booth, see who has what? Mm-hmm. That's what Reverb is like, right? And it's a cool online community. The shops are cool. Um, that noise kick effects we talked about when you know when I was um, in um, in Maryland last. Um, they they have a shop online on on Reverb, so that's where you can go to buy all their stuff. I I can't remember if Triode has them or not. Um, but I know that Noise Kick does. Mm. Um, cause, um, cause that's where, cause I, I was looking at the howler cause last time, you know, when I was in Maryland, uh, you and I played through the howler mm-hmm. and, um, now noise kick has, he has a ton of stuff up there, but he has this pedal called, uh, the kill bill kill switch. So it's a tremolo pedal and a kill switch. And you know, like I'm addicted to tremolo pedals. Mm-hmm. Where are we going with this reverb? Why was I talking about? Re- oh, that's right. Reverb and Altoid. So reverb.com. That's when you've eaten too many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, I found um, a little like Altoids box amplifier on Reverb.com. I'm holding it up to the screen like we're doing a video chat, but you can't see it. But um, it's this really cool little you know amplifier built right into the Altoids. It, it sounds pretty cool. You can actually use like the uh, the lid, kind of like doing a manual wah wah. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of what you do with a, with a trumpet when you do the the thing. You're yeah, uh, reflecting the sound. Yeah, yeah or, or even like the pig nose amplifiers, like you know the ones that had had the little box. The you could undo the front and. Mm, I'm not. You know, you, you know a lot more about those than I do. So. Uh, it don't, oh, don't sell you, sir. Sure. Right now, there's an MXR Phase pedal, Phase 100 from the 1970s, or it says 1970s script. Wait, so what are you looking at? On Reverb.com. Oh, you just went there. Okay. Yeah. So it's but it, it's you have a Phase 100, right? I have a Phase 90. Oh, 90. Okay. But it's the orange one, right? The mm-hmm. orange one you have? Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is actually circa 1960, 1970s. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, year 1970s. Okay. Not very specific. But. Well, you know what's funny is like, you know I love effects pedals. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love my Phase 90. Like, I'm on my second one. I still have my, my first one. Um, and now that I learned a couple things, listen to um, the Wampler Chasing Tone podcast about soldering. Uh, at least soldering these switches. I think I'm going to take another crack at it. Um, but did you ever did you ever finish one of those kits you got? Those well, things? so that's honestly that's kind of the the subject of tonight's podcast, like building things, making things, and um, just just kind of like where where crafting has gone and that sort of stuff. So we'll, we'll kind of come back to that. Okay. But so um, I like I love I love those pedals. I have my my Phase ninety. Like I've I've only ever needed a ninety. But um, it's like for me, like I really get it. I mean, you know, I get into vintage gear and I get excited about this stuff. But like effects, as long as it sounds pretty cool, I'm not really worried about the year. No, I agree. I think a lot of that's um, like a lot of stuff, a lot of product, a lot of stuff we buy. It should come down to its purpose and what it's. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I bought probably, if not all my guitars, at least two of them, you know, 
not I mean not only because I you know that I got specific models because I thought they would sound well and I played them, but I got them red and the way they are more because they look. But I'm but I'm a designer, so I, I kind of like the visuals of things. Exactly, you're a visual guy. Like, like I mean, all my guitars are black and like white. Crap. Like you know, with the with the Epiphone uh, LP that I have. Oh yeah, you played it. it. Like I said, the action's a little high. I need to maybe get it tweaked or something like that. Um, so I'm a little disappointed. I find myself not playing it as much as much as I do play anymore um, than some of the others. I've actually I've been more kicking out the Martin, just playing on the couch and going through some of my. I'm tr- I've been trying to play a little more lately without you being around or, or you're, you, whenever you visit. I get on a like Niels. It's oh you're playing guitar. Aaron must be visiting soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I start like I even started looking at a cheap cheap guitar on Guitar Center. You know the Rogue line, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they have a. You know, small, just um, regular. Uh, I can't. I think it has a double pickup thing. I don't know, but it's a low end, just model guitar, electric guitar. Looks nice because it's red and black. Again, the visual, right? But it's on sale for sixty nine dollars. I was just kind of like, oh, I'll get that. I'll throw it in front of the PlayStation for Rocksmith or whatever I want to do. And if if Ian knocks it over or something, yeah, eh, it's okay. It was a sixty nine dollar guitar. So, uh, but I've I've. Stop myself from going <laughs> over to the Guitar Center and buying one. We should go down uh, to Atomic and pick up a cheap guitar there. <laughs> well, get this: after I yeah. kind of was, uh, uh, you know, here's the manager at work, you know, and, and his one of his, uh, uh, you know, employees or people he's supervising comes into his office and he happens to be looking at Guitar Center site instead of doing work. Um, so I happen to have that on the screen at one point during the day. Interesting. And uh, uh, Melissa said, "Oh yeah, and this is our designer I work with." And yeah, David, her her boyfriend. Yeah, you remember that guitar I brought in? Or da 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 da. And like, well, he, he thinks it's a little small. Or he really doesn't like it. Small. I think it was just like it was a Squire. It was fine. It's like it's a Squire. It is what it is. And uh, and he's like, ah, he doesn't really like it and doesn't play it. And like, I can give that to you. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna say no. Nice. Um, you know, and uh, she hasn't yet, but uh, I'm like, as long as you aren't going to play it, I'm not gonna, ever going to take a guitar from someone or try oh, yeah. to insist. But hey, if I can get a free guitar out of it, and you know, and get get you know satisfy the gas uh, for a while, and and you know the acronym, right? I, I'm sure everybody time. listening to this show knows exactly what gas stands for: <laughs> gear acquisition syndrome. Well, I see. I have it just for the guitar acquisition, but I guess yeah, for me with computers and gaming, that probably applies all around. Yeah, I but, mean, like if you look around this room. So I counted up my pedals, by the way. So check this out. I I as think as long as you don't have more than your wife has shoes, you're okay. So maybe we shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, because because this is going to go live and it's going to be published. I'll have people, you know, it'll be the first time I get Twitter interaction. They'll be threatening to tell my wife how many pedals I have. But um, I've got, I think I've got about 45 to 46 pedals. Wow. I, I didn't even realize I had that many. And that, that's just the ones that were kind of out. I was kind of like, you know, All right, this guesstimating. Is, here's the maker project for you. Yeah. We have, we have to build something if you have enough wall space where, like your shot glasses, you have a mm-hmm. little ledge, maybe a little bit of Velcro, whatever you, because you got the wooden wooden uh, pedal board right yeah oh yeah yeah so my pedal board for um for my listeners that, that don't know or if you're new to this uh hit me up on uh, instagram uh at sgnl the number two nz um so for signal to noise on instagram and you can see my pedal board it's a chemistry design works holy board so it's kind of looks like um it's layered wood kind of like a skateboard those kind of layers like the thin strips they put together now is that holy as in w-h-o-l-l-y or is it h-o-l-e-y 
Oh, so every time you look at it, it goes, oh. Uh, no, that'd be H-O-L-Y. Oh, Ocho. Wait, wait. I missed the spelling. H O what? H O L E Y. E Y. Holy. Yeah, whole E. Oh. So not like holy, like, you know, like I don't have to bless it or anything like that. No, but, um. I, I hope it will come blessed for. You know, <laughs> well, so the board. <laughs> I can't remember if we've really got to talk about the board, but the board comes unfinished. And the guy at Chemistry Design Works, fantastic guy. Um, actually, like now that I'm saying this, I need to put it on my list. He's another guy I want to have on the show and talk to. Because I love what he does with the pedal boards. Um, I mean, there's there's all kinds of pedal boards out there, but they all kind of look the same. I mean, I had an SKB. Well, you know I had an SKB for the longest time. And that worked. It was just basically like a big plastic board with Velcro on it. You Velcro the pedals to it. Eh, it was okay. You know, and then pretty much everything is a derivative of that or something that Boss puts out. And, you know, there's big custom boards out there like the, um, was it Salvage Custom, Custom Salvage, Pedal Train, makes some things. But even like the Pedal Train stuff is just boring looking. It's just like slats, that sort of stuff. So I I really like I yeah, I like the look of wood. You know, mm-hmm. I like the look of wood. And so when I got the um when I found I, I don't even remember how I found it, but when I saw it, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is this is what I like. And so are I, they, I are they velcroed on there? No, so that's the whole point of the holes. It has all the holes drilled into it, hence the name holy board because yep, yep. it got all these holes. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, well you can you zip tie the um using the holes, you zip tie uh, the effects down. So, okay, I was thinking if you do something where you have all 45 pedals on a nice wall board and you attach them all and have them all kind of displayed. So it's funny you say that because I've been thinking about building a shelving unit where I could have everything plugged in and patch and all that sort of stuff too. Um, That's and- crazy, 45. <laughs> what? 45. How would you keep it all straight? That would be insane. Um, we'll work that one out after we build it, man. Uh, um. And a side note, as I'm yeah. scrolling down, I didn't know he collected baseballs. Why did I know that? Oh, you're checking out the Signal to Noise site. Okay. You know, I'm on the yeah, Instagram. Well, you came up. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. This is, you know, th- this show's just kind of writing itself. So for the audience, like I literally just texted Chris and sent him these videos. I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing tonight? Let's do a show. You know, and so I got to thank you for coming on because like doing the show. Not a check coming? What the hell? <laughs> like just doing the show is so much fun with the buddy. Like Rock and I were talking about that. But so, um, I, I've really been getting into baseball this year. I, like I've always, honestly, like baseball is one of the few sports I actually do like. Uh, but I've I've never been like a crazy, you know, crazy follower of baseball. And, like I've tried to follow stuff, but I don't understand the rules. I've explained to you before. Like I grew up with nobody on my street to play with. There was never enough kids to play baseball. That sort of stuff. There, you no, know, no close neighbors. You know where I. Oh, so we're up. gonna play catch when I come. Is that what you're telling me? I would love to. That'd be really nice. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go down to the batting cages here. We'll go. Go hit some balls. But anyway. Um, so I've been collecting baseballs a little bit by little bit and I got the, um, I've had the, the Disney baseball for a long time, uh, from, I got that from Epcot cause I just, I love Epcot. I love what it did with the worlds. And again, like I like baseball. Well then, um, what's the shop? Oh my goodness. I can't remember. Dave's shop in Butler it's Sloan's guitar emporium. So I was at Sloan's and he was selling the, uh, Fender, um, the Fender string pack that came with the free baseball, like three packs of Fender strings. And I'm like, I'm totally going to get this. Cause like it's Fender, it's Fender baseball. I like baseball, I like Fender, no brainer here. And I think it was probably around the same time that Fender started doing the MLB Stratocasters. I think they only did the American league. Do they only, I know there was a Yankees one. I don't think they ever made it to the pirates and there may or may not have been at San Francisco giants. And I'll explain that in a minute here. Um, but though, so then with my recent Metallica obsession, which I've been telling you about, 
I've been on the Metallica site and uh, talking to guys in the forums. Like, actually, my next video is um, my next demo video is going to be influenced by one of the guys in the forums. We were talking about the the new Ghoul Screamer. I t- did I tell you about the Ghoul Screamer? Mm-mm. So we'll have to come back to that. So Kirk Hammett essentially has a new uh, pedal line out. K K H D K Electronics. Him and his buddy Dave Karen. And um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But they put together this pedal line. They came out with three different pedals to start. They got, um, you know, I, if you watch their Instagram, you can see they got some other stuff to, uh, in the works. And um, so I was, you know, talking on the forum to people about that because I saw other people posting about it. And the one guy's like, oh, you know, I, I'd like to know what it sounds like, um, you know, shaping other pedals because, like, I, I have a DS1. I'm like, I have a DS1. What do you, what, how would you like to see this? And so we've been talking on there. And so, but anyway, so I've been on the Metallica, you know, forums a lot and all this sort of stuff. Well, Metallica, um, I think the last four or five years running, they have had Metallica night at the San Francisco Giants games, uh, you know, and um, they played again this year. And so they, I think it was last year, they did the uh, the third baseball that you now see in that picture, which is the Metallica baseball. So that's, the, you know, kind of, kind of been my obsession. And then, of course, I follow three teams. I follow the Pirates because... I'm from Pittsburgh. It's pretty much genetic. I have to, whether I like it or not, you know, but I do like it, man. The pirates, have you been following them this year? Uh, no, actually. Well, I mean, down here and, and to all the Pittsburgh fans, I apologize. I live in the DC area, so I'm exposed to the nationals and also the caps. Uh, so go pens for beating the caps. Exactly. But, uh, my neighbor is a big cap. <laughs> so, um, I saw him sitting on his couch, uh, somberly, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, at the end of the last game. Um, but no, I mean, how are the Pirates doing? So they are number two in their division. Awesome. Uh, right behind Chicago. And Chicago has been beating the pants off them every time they I, play well, Chicago. I, they just, they just, I think they beat beat the Nats. I think they played them a couple games. I don't Dude, know they, the, the Cubs are almost an unstoppable team this year. Yeah, I saw some stat on the, oh, some line graph on, they're on pace to just break huge records yeah. on, uh, I don't know if it's uh, uh, men on base or or what it was, it was but it was uh, and it was historical for like decades and, and or the length of how many seasons for it was it was pretty neat anyway yeah but uh, no I'm with you man because the, the Cubs are killing it and so then I've been actually been trying to watch the Pirates games down here um, I've had the I think Monday night the game was called on account of rain so they didn't broadcast it it was supposed to be broadcast last night it was funny car racing instead so thankfully they're playing the Braves next week this is a Braves market. So I should be able to catch that game, and the Braves are going to be at Pittsburgh. So I'll, I'll be able to watch the Braves game, um, but it'll be at PNC Park. So I'll get to you know see home, essentially. So that's going to be nice. That's going to be really nice. But anyway, so I follow the Pirates, right? I follow the New York Na- Yankees. So why do you think I follow the Yankees? Uh, don't know. So what's one of my favorite 80s thrash bands, still current today, Probably one of my all-time favorite thrash metal bands. Starts with an A. Anthrax? You got it. Anthrax, they're New Yorkers. The Yankees is Anthrax's team, so the Yankees will be my team, right? And I actually got this idea from my buddy Jimmy at work, because we were were having, like, you know, baseball gear dress-up days and stuff at work. I'm like, dude, I don't have any sports gear. I said, I'd love to participate, but I'm like, I don't care about sports like you guys do. He's like... You love metal, you love music. He's like, why don't you see if you can find like a sports jersey that's you know one of your teams? Lo and behold, the same time he suggested that, 
Metallica just had the Big Four show with Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, and Megadeth at Yankee Stadium. And so um, they made up special like Yankees jer- jerseys that said Metallica on them. So I bought one of those. So I had this Yankees jersey, and the best part is almost everybody thinks it's a Yankees jersey until they actually look really close and realize it says Metallica instead of Yankees. <laughs> um, but so I have the Yankees jersey that I wear, and then my third team is obviously the San Francisco Giants that I'm following because that is Metallica's team, Metallica Night. Well, there's synergy for you. <laughs> Hey, I I just figured you'd be excited. This is you realize like I think this is the first sports talk you and I have had in the twenty some years of friendship. No, no, actually, technically, no. Really? Because you talked about wanting to learn golf at one point, and we talked about golf a little bit, but we didn't really get into the sports stars. But I suck at golf. Well, like if you come down here, are you awesome at baseball? No, but that but that's way more fun. No. Like, but see, golf is boring to watch. Please don't make me watch golf. Like, it's hey, I don't like playing well, it. I don't like watching it. Argue that baseball, unless you're, well, I don't know. You know, there's something about going to a stadium. There's the experience of getting the dogs and the mm-hmm. nachos, and you know, a couple beers you have to take a loan out to get, and uh, um, you know, something about being in the stadium. But you know, watching a game on TV, though, it's like football. Though I think the better viewing experience, in one degree, is better on TV, but. Baseball is kind of can be kind of slow paced. Now I can watch it. I, I enjoy watching baseball from time to time, but I'm not a you know like every every time the Pirates or any teams on I got to watch. But some people argue like Niel, she can't watch, but she's you know, she's a girl. All right, sorry ladies yeah. out there. I'm not no, no offense to girls, but there's plenty that are into the sports. But she doesn't get watching that. She doesn't get watching golf either. Right. Um, but golf is one of those things you have to play, I think, in order to watch. Yeah. But baseball can be. Sometimes not exciting to watch, especially if, um, I don't know, if the pitching isn't that great, but then they're not hitting them either. You just, you know, it's a low scoring. People want to see. That's why they argued about, you know, certain, I don't know if they changed the ball at one point or um, uh, there was something I thought, something that was leading to more home runs. I remember reading or hearing a story about some, some equipment adjustment or they were allowed to do ball but anyway i digress but you know to produce more runs to make it more exciting to right. watch you know i just want to point out to everybody who's listening that you mentioned that you have to take out a loan to buy two beers at the stadium because it took me a minute to catch that and it really struck me as funny well it is a lot but um so i i've always honestly i've always liked baseball live better yeah, um, yeah. who was who the guy in the 90s that was like an absolute gorilla that was always hitting home runs in the 90s yeah I mean, when, when the big home run dirty, it was Barry Bonds, and it was, uh, oh, crap. Uh, Barry Bonds, there was a guy from the Cubs, there was a guy from St. Louis. I, I can't believe I'm... Um, was it like Mark something? Yeah, uh, uh, Mark. Uh, he gained a lot of weight, because he was definitely on steroids, or a lot of mass. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was like... He was Mark like McGuire, Mark McGuire. That was it. Right? So he was like literally just this massive, massive man, right? Well, if you see his earlier pictures, yeah. and when he was playing with the A's early in his career, yeah, him and Barry Bonds were both like, not rail thin, but they were fit, slim fit got baseball players, which you imagine a baseball player looking like. Yeah, long and loose. And then, boom, yeah, yeah, none of them did steroids, my ass. <laughs> I'm anyway, sorry. I digress. All I want to point out is that I was at uh, one of the Pirates games when McGuire played. Yeah, so was I. I told you that story with my brother, right? It was a Pirates game. St. Louis is coming down there. And um, <laughs> so 
my brother Steve, we paid for tickets to go yeah. in. I don't know if Jeff was there. I think Jeff was there. Uh, as I name names on a public broadcast. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, Steve was out with his friend in the car, my car, one, blowing the speakers out. So they proceed to just pre-game and continue to game in the car, come in already pretty well loaded. And this is when that home run, run derby was happening. I want to say this is when McGuire was at least in the 50s or 60s. Yeah. He was getting up there. And, uh, and, and he comes in, just has a beer, sit down, and being a bit rowdy. He actually yelled at a kid who was eight years old with a St. Louis hat on. With a glove I, okay. in his hand. I remember the story and now. He's like, St. Louis sucks! And I'm like, Steve, like, yeah. what the heck, man? It's like, it's just a kid enjoying baseball. Who cares what team he's rooting yeah, for? I remember this. is this. part of history. And he proceeds to, he leaves after a bit and has his beer and goes back out to the car. And I'm like, why do you even buy tickets? One. Two. He mit- then right after he left, McGuire hits one of those out. Yeah. And at the time, that's a part of history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sports history till the whole you know till people were you know the whole asterisk thing that's all right let it go but But, uh, yeah so because my dad and i were that game because i i was i was typically good for like one pirates game a year at least you know like i said like i've you know i mean you know i've never been a huge sports fan but just something about this year like i've been trying the last couple years to get into baseball more because i do like it like i said I, i do enjoy it and um, one of the guys I work with, he um, he went pretty pretty far in the college circuit and probably could have turned pro had a few other things not happened. Um, but him and I were talking about it. And we're just you know he, he he got me all fired up, and that's why I started following again. So why are you, why are you looking to see if they have a softball league or something? Might be too late for this season. You get into softball. I think if I can just start trying to hit, because I mean another thing we have to talk about my hand eye coordination. You know I'm terrible with hitting and catching. Well, also well your fielding and your your uh, yeah and like, running and all that other sort of stuff. So anyway, I digress because this podcast has nothing to do with baseball. <laughs> Never in my life did I dream that I would be talking about sports on a podcast, ever. <laughs> ever. <clears throat> I couldn't call that one. All right. So, Chris, so here's here's what I want to talk about tonight. Like this the whole like maker kind of kind of movement. Mm-hmm. And I want to get want to get your thoughts on it cuz um so I was at my kids um performance. I it's you know like they do spring and summer performances and stuff. And um like it was really adorable. It was fun watching my kids sing little songs and do little dances. But so my wife was making these costumes and I've been working crazy schedules, working Saturdays. I have not been home much. And so she's making these costumes and tell me how they're doing it. And um like I go there and I watch and I see like, you know, my kids' costumes were, were some of the better ones there, you know, and Renee just kind of, you know, threw stuff together, got very creative. Cause she's really she's really good with creative stuff. Like I wish I could get what, what do more. Was, what was the um, the performance of the? Play? It was it was like a Noah's Ark thing. So the kids were animals. Oh, okay. Nicholas was a tiger. I think uh, Annie was a um, kangaroo. Kangaroo. But anyway, so like I'm looking at some of the other costumes, and I'm just looking at just the the lacking quality of the costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, okay, so is it that every parent is just too busy to put in the time to do this? Um, or, and this is, this is what I really think it is. And I've got a few other things to back this up, but I think that, I think we're losing knowledge from generation to generation. Here's what I mean. Like, you know, my grandmother, yeah, did you know, you never met my grandmother. I met uh, you, I met you after she died. You knew my grandfather. Yes. But so his, his wife, 
um, all through, you know, school, like grade school on up through high school, my, my grandmother sewed so many things. She would, you know, hem my jeans. We'd buy jeans that were longer. She'd hem them up. And I think you said your mom did the same thing. Um, you know, she made all my costumes, like, you know, her and my mom and one of the other uh, moms will get together and talk about how they're going to do this. And they collaborate and like, they made some really, really good homemade costumes when I like look at the, the quality of things, you know, and my grandmother was just very good at sewing machine. And I'm like, man, why is that? Like, and I think about just how, how things have shifted generationally. I mean, like at one point, everybody knew how to sew, you know? Like mm-hmm. you, you, you had like, well, not, especially not like the guys, but I'm saying like the world war two generation, like yeah. pretty much, and this is going to sound so sexist, but like pretty much like any, any, any of the women from like the world war two generation earlier, all knew how to sew. Like there were very specific male tasks, female tasks. We'll say all that sort of stuff. Not that I endorse any of that sort of stuff. And if anybody had a chance to meet my grandmother or my mother, that sort of stuff, you'll know that I was raised by some rather strong women. Not only could they sew, but they could also, you know, take care of all the the chickens and do all the farm work and all that sort of stuff because well, I, I everybody else is not working. My mom, I mean, you know my mom. But, yeah, uh, I met her once. <laughs> once, twice, my, three my times. Hung me on a hook once. Couple times, you know. <laughs> Here we okay, go. Okay, name that movie. Anyway, Johnny um, Dangerously. Thank you. I was just on the other day. Anyway, uh, so she, I would say, I learned more of my handiness from her and my grandfather, her, you know, Bub. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad than my dad. My dad is not handy at all. Well, see, and that's uh, something else. Like, what you know, what's funny is like my dad. Growing up, I never thought he was handy at all, and I'm starting to realize I think he just didn't have enough time to complete the projects. Because I mean, you know, you know, he put in crazy hours. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was putting insane hours every week. So my handiness came from my grandmother and my grandfather, both on my mom's side. Because I spent so much time with him. My grandmother taught me how to sew. So like, you know, home ec courses in school. I did great with sewing, did great with cooking because my grandmother taught me all that stuff. Yeah, I made um, a hamburger in home ec sewing and in home ec cooking. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> you, you do take nerdism to a new level sometimes. <laughs> and I mean that with love. But um, I free associate like a maniac. So yeah, I was really careful when you talked. <laughs> I know. That's, uh, well, that's, that's kind of why it's fun to do this show right now. Um. We're already a half hour in. I thought I figured, I'm like, ah, we'll keep it to a half hour. We just got hour. back to the maker thing. Like, five I know, years. I know. It's just, you know, it's, it's 20 minutes of baseball talk. But And next week on part three of the Chris <laughs> and Aaron podcast, they get to introducing their dogs' names when they were growing up. No, we're stopping there. Okay, but okay. so anyway, darn it. <laughs> it's just like when we're face-to-face. It's just this bad. Um Where's I going? Oh yeah, so um, you know my and my grandfather, like you know, he knew how to weld, he knew how to fix anything. So there was always soldering irons, you know, wrenches, um, welding torches, settling torches, you know, arc welding. That stuff was always around, you know. And when I look at what's going on today, it just you know, there's just been a shift, and just I think at that point, like it was not uncommon, at least for where we were from. So Chris and I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, you know, so. It wasn't that it wasn't very uncommon for most of you know the, the, the people of like my grandfather's generation to know those sorts of things, you know? And um and I feel I feel like that's getting lost. And that like I, I, I would agree with you to a point, but you gotta realize also I think this day and age and also I think a little like more to your point, a little more that transfer of the knowledge 
I think maybe a, a bit of um, our parents wanting to be, um, well, when you think our parents are going on, like want to be best friends with their kids and may letting them do whatever they want. And they're exposed to so much more. We, I mean, we, we are the beginning of the way, you know, we're the generation X, the millennials coming in. Um, they, like we, we start with the internet. So we started getting exposed to the beginnings of the internet and all the media. And it probably started with a bit of catalogs is where probably most people would get all their, uh, I would say like the source of information for all their hobbies. Mm-hmm. But now you have exposure to so much different stuff that given the tools, technology, apps, media, any source of information, mostly fairly electronic, not that you, you have to get your hands dirty with a lot of, a lot of hobbies in, in the world, but you have exposure. You, you can actually become you know, average or even above average with lots of different things, and it kind of sucks away your time. Like You don't have enough time, kind of more to your point, maybe to focus on one or two things and get really good at it. As, as a hobby. But do you think it's because we distill it down? And, and here's where I'm going with this. So guitar magazines, you know that I've been subscribing to guitar magazines since the mid eighties. So probably 84, no 85 or 86 is when I would have started my, um, my, my final or, or my first like full subscription of guitar magazine. So I have a complete run of guitar for the pricing musician from 80, probably 86, all the way through when they would have stopped. So was it somewhere in the nineties, I think. But so I was recently, I picked up some old, some old issues again and I flip them open and they have the songs, they have the tablature, right? Just like you can pick up a guitar world today. You, you don't have to have a guitar world handy. Do you? Uh, I might on the bookshelf, but it's too far away right now. <laughs> well, all right then. So, and that helps tie into, you know, how people are lazy today. So thank you for that. But uh, okay. Hold on. I'm, I'm Hold, so please. kidding, man. I'm so kidding. I'm coming back. Hold on. I have to go All right. 12 feet across my room with my six-foot cord. No, not the not 12 feet. No, not that. You'd be talking to yourself for five minutes while I look through. Oh, hey, look what else I found. Okay. It's, okay. it's not... It's not but, 12 feet. Go ahead. Finish, finish your point. So, so anyway, so the point is, so if you pick up a Guitar World magazine and you look at the tablature, there's no more sheet music. It's just symbols it's numbers on the guitar tab they try to write in the uh, rhythms and stuff it's a mess it's ugly it's hard to read um i remember when guitar world switched somewhere in the 90s now when you say ugly and hard to read you mean that's like from a layout perspective font choices scale Uh, uh, yes any of that like i'd say font choices layout choices i I think it's very very cluttered Mm mm-hmm because how they did tablature before this, right? And and I remember I remember what happened in the nineties. I remember sitting down with um, one of the guys that I was going to college with at the time. We were both studying guitar, classical guitar, and um, he was kind of for it. He thought it was interesting. He's like, "Well, you know, this is how they originally did lute music, you know, back in the Baroque time." And but I mean, at the time, you didn't really have people that could read music. So mm-hmm. as I'm flipping through these old, you know, guitar for the practicing musician magazines, they've got all this sheet music. And I started thinking, I'm like, this is what helped me with my reading. Like, first of all, the layout's better. Things aren't as crowded. You know, they, they took the time to space things out. It was very, very easy to read. So visually, it was very pleasing. Mm-hmm. And then what was great is right below it is the tab. The tab is also very clean because you've got the guitar 
you know, the, the guitar neck, the six lines for each of the strings, and then all that's on there is a number. But if you look at, like, the Modern Guitar World magazine, it's just, it's a hot mess. Like, I I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe this is me well, being, let, being well, an old grumpy grandpa. If, yeah. From your judgment of the earlier years of Guitar World versus now, your comparison here, would you wager there are more ads in the magazine now? Honestly, I think there's more ads in the uh, in the older issues. Hmm. Because I, I was thinking that, I mean, uh, uh, theorizing that might be a mechanic of the whole changes in print media. You know, the, the, most magazine subscriptions are down, I would say, probably fairly. And I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you are too. I mean, well, I mean, you, you take in a lot of stuff. But sometimes when I want to, you know, find Guitar Tab for a particular, you know, song, I'm not going to go through a back catalog and look for all these magazines or go to the store and try to, you know, I'm probably going online now, like I said. And, you know some of the guitar tap sites and finding the stuff there. We talk about cluttered and hard to read. You know when they try to do it. Oh my goodness, yeah. Next. Um, but uh, so that being, you know, readership is probably down net net. I would wager most magazines are. Well, um, they, but they started this in the nineties, though. The the change to the layout. Yeah, they, they they started this probably at the height of their popularity when readership would have been through the roof because you had the grunge movement, Kurt Cobain, everybody yeah. picking up a guitar. Well, I'm part of that. I mean, you remember, I, I picked up in the early 90s when I started hanging with you guys. So I'm, uh, I'm probably of the, I didn't see maybe the old ones. You know, that, that uh, I you know really had a huge problem with the way they were laid out because I had nothing to compare it to. Well, so here's the deal, though. You, you would have definitely been playing before the switchover. Because you started playing in the early 90s, and I don't consider you part of the grunge explosion, but I guess you kind of no, were. No, no. Yeah, remember, one of the first songs I started trying to learn was Alive, Pearl Jam. That was my big push. Wow, you really are a grunge baby. <laughs> hey, I was listening to Billy Joel and all that stuff before that, so come on. I can't believe you just admitted that publicly. <laughs> I'm all over the place, my friend. You know that. I know, man. So am I. So, like, so I mean, last night. I'm Bonamassa right now, the blue stuff. I told you about that. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love Bonamassa. So last night, I'm at a, um, I'm at a podcaster's meeting here in Charleston. And just, you know, a bunch of people getting together to talk podcasting, all sorts of stuff. So all these guys, like... They all kind of look like their podcasts because they're doing kind of professional podcasts, movie podcasts, that sort of stuff. And then here's me, and I'm explaining what I do, and they're looking at me blank-faced because they have no idea what I'm talking about with this guitar stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I've also done work for Iron City Rocks and Radioactive Metal. And Rock, if you're listening, you'll appreciate to know that um, a few people at the table who really didn't, definitely weren't metalheads per se, they, they're like, I think I've seen that on Facebook. So you're getting out there somehow, guys. But so I was talking about it. I said, you know, and I'm explaining the extreme bands that I like and the extreme music and the death metal and talking about guar and all these different things. And their eyes are just getting bigger and bigger. And they're finally like, I would have never pegged you for a metal guy. You know, and, and I mean, you know what I look like today. Yeah. yeah. Well, know? if they would have seen your senior picture, they would get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they would just thought I was a winger fan then, really. <clears throat> yeah, uh, well, hair metal. Uh, in the air, you fit the air. I wouldn't peg you for any particular band at that time. Well, thank you. <laughs> but. I digress. But your locks were silky smooth. <laughs> Thank you, Zohan. Anyway, so um, coming coming back to this, like I just I feel like like knowledge is getting lost, and and you know, like you said, the transfer. Like I feel like we're almost dumbing down people at, at some at some points. I mean, especially with the guitar magazines. I remember picking them up to learn, and you know, I actually I went back and found. Um, the first Metallica magazine that I had, the guitar magazine, had the music for Fade to Black. I had this great article. It was, it was released in October of 86. So they probably did the interview right when um, Puppets came out that year. They were on tour that year. 
when when the magazine came out, I, I'm willing to bet it's probably almost around the same time that um, uh, the bus accident happened where we lost Cliff Burton, you know, Metallica. But so I remember reading that article over and over and over and paying attention to everything they talked about from their technique and the playing. And this is how I learned to palm mute. And I learned so much because, you know, I could immerse myself in it. And I read the articles today and I don't feel like we've made any progress. Well, I I mean, the generational thing. I I think it's like any student, anyone who really gets into something will find a way to learn it the best way they know how and arrive to points of expertise, sometimes different avenues. But I think what's become more prevalent, I've noticed it's for years now, and I sound like an old fogey. Yes, Grandpa. And with the current generation, the sense of entitlement of things and rewards and that can come to even like oh god I, you mean I can't get good at this guitar thing in like a week or two weeks or you know I'm exaggerating but and they give up you know because they it's like no you actually have to work hard to become good at something I don't think that's communi- that's one thing it's not like it's communicated so, and so people are trying to find shortcuts all over the place so that may be the like you're saying the dumbed down I mean, the thing is, I learned via tab too. I mean, I, I know how to, quote unquote, read music if I had to, because I've taken some classes way back when, but I can't sight read. How many people can sight read? But my you know? point is, though, is like when they had the notation there, you were also, you, you could read the music and you could start to figure it out. So like you said about taking out, you know, to be the student, like the tools were there. It was, it was easier to become better because you were given the tools to, to like a different standard, you know? And then what you're saying about like the guitar students, that started, I, I, I'm going to take so much flack for this. And if I do, you know, please direct it over Twitter because I would love to have some Twitter interaction. But, um, direct hey, it to the Twitter feed. Hey, exactly. Come on, man. Let's have a good time, you know? <laughs> Head out to the website, signaltonoise.fm. You can find the Twitter stuff out there. Have a great time. But when I noticed the decline in students, and when I say decline, I don't mean the number because the number certainly increased. Like I had a bunch of students, you, you know, mean the de- decline in student aptitude. Yes. And, and, the, and the, the decline in the desire to get better. Because I mean, like, you know, you and I were essentially raised in the Eddie Van Halen, Ingve Malmsteen. Every guitarist coming out was better than the last guitarist. Steve Vai, like all these just insane masters of the fretboard. Mm-hmm. And then grunge breaks did a lot. It's, it was almost kind of like the punk rock thing over again. Cause it inspired all these kids to pick up guitar. They thought they couldn't play like, you know, the heroes of the seventies. Sure. Um, but at the same time, like when Nirvana hit, it created a lot of apathy. And I remember reading the articles on Nirvana and getting really upset because they, they just, they downplayed, you know, any of the, any of the practice, any of the dedication. I cause like, Nobody gets to their level without putting in the, the time, the work, all that sort of stuff. And they're like, oh, sure. oh I don't do this or I don't do that. And what's what <laughs> it it frustrates me because like now, like because I mean, you know, you turned me on to um what was what was the, the Sonic no Sonic Highways, you know, with yeah. Dave Grohl. Right? So Dave Grohl has gone on to do great things with the Foo Fighters, did the Sound City movie. Uh, there's a Nirvana documentary I've watched, and there's um, you know the Sonic Highways. He has done some of the the best, I guess, the best media to keep 
people remembering how to really create music, but he's part of the reason that people stop creating good music. Yeah, but I, he's, I mean, on to get, in his defense, he's he's actually publicly come out to say it's okay like, hey, to have some mistakes in music, you know, as far as sonically, you know, it makes it sound like humans are playing it. And he said that, I want to say at the Grammys and MTV Awards, you know, where you have maybe some of the, you know, again, the, the particular, you know, you're saying younger generation, maybe I don't watch those things anymore, but um, trying to get the message out there. But, but they, um, they don't put the, the effort in. That was the thing is like, like Nirvana made it sound like you didn't have to put any effort in. Just get up there, be depressed, well, you know what? bang out some chords. Well, and dude, this- and that's that's not what Girl's about. And and honestly, like you know, now he even talks about how much work they put in all that sort of stuff, but they wouldn't talk about it then. And that was that's my probably my biggest beef with the whole grunge thing is like but, the dude, grunge guys well hang, hang on, man. Let's let me finish this point. And I, I will let you rant because I know you're gonna have a great rebuttal. <laughs> so like the grunge guys just wouldn't like they're like the cool kids that just had to look down on everything, mm-hmm. and and that's and and that just transcended the entire nineties. It's like all of a sudden, no, no, nobody gives a shit about being um, a good guitar player, you know. And I'm like, come on. Well, I th- I think a few things. One, I think it's the persona. You know, I mean, till you reach a certain point, you know, you're not you're not coming out and saying, oh well, you know, I I created this. You know, whatever, and pick any kind of. Since you talk about grunge, any kind of grunge song. You know, while we were studying hard, you know, doing, you know, we practiced for five hours a day or ten hours a day, and did this. That that probably took away from again this the marketing of, and it may not be just the band's fault. Remember that there's the the labels and stuff and positioning and things like that to to put that that persona of that grunge band wouldn't be ones being vocal and talking about music and and different structure and 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 the notes and stuff like that 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 just wouldn't appeal to the the audience they want that apathy that teen apathy that angst that you know just getting out there and ripping it on a guitar with some power chords and blah 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 you know but now going taken further like you're saying again the whole thing i think it's this has been talked about with other stuff even sports and academics and certain things is that a little bit what's gone a little nuts is over it even started actually i would say even probably when we were in high school is that everyone gets a third place ribbon <laughs> yeah you know, the, you know it, i'm sorry when you do a contest or a, or a performance or a, a, a sport or a, a, across life in general if you want to you know different scales in which you measure success there are on the gambit the range of things there are the top winners and there are the losers. Now, okay, not losers in the bad sense, but they didn't win. And now, now listen, people, listen, do you hear yourself backpedaling? No, but I'm saying it's not that they're <laughs> losers. I mean, I'm saying they lost in that right. context. Not right. that they're losers because one day someone could be a winner and someone and, could be. And uh, the only people that are going to think that you meant that. Oh, you're a loser. Are going to be like the people who want the third place ribbon. Well, you know what I mean? Because because I know where you're coming from, man. Like you know, it, it's like like and, and this what what flabbergasted me is like sports, Super Bowl. One team wins, one team loses. This should not be a hard concept for anybody. Yeah, and that's what makes it that much more. If you if you get to that top, if you win the Super Bowl, if you win the Oscar, you win the Grammy. Yeah, you know all that stuff where there's a certain amount of. I'm not saying exclusivity because I don't want to open a whole can of worms in the debate of the commercialism of certain award shows, but um, <laughs> uh, 
but if you have more exclusive, like I said, actually coming back full circle and maybe we can wrap up the podcast even back to the award thing I was talking about earlier with the graphic design thing is like if everyone gets, you know, first, second, third, honorable mention, honorable mention at the wazoo, how do you judge who's doing really good work? You know, and then again, the L's contest where there's only a select now it's a smaller group they're probably pulling from. But there's some, you know, bigger companies and stuff that have, uh, got selected to be uh, nominated. But it, it just—it's more exclusive, and, you, and, you, and you're proud of that you won that. I wouldn't be proud of winning first place when there was 30 other people in my class that got something that's only a few degrees removed from first, right, or whatever. Um, and then it makes it something you want to attain. If you always give people an award for doing mediocre, mediocre work derivative work that's just boring or not boring but been there done that they never want oh i won i won for this so i don't have to try harder and i think that again that's across a lot of different stuff not just uh you know guitar playing it's a lot uh, i think that's why um in certain design getting back to design it sorry uh music folk out there but um <laughs> but anything creative it's just that if you know, I see some designs on, on commercials and ads, and I mean, think about it. You know, you have the media. Right, now I'm going to really bash someone, but oh, yeah, let's try not to. I mean, you have people, you know, doing the, you know, a menu, you know, placemat in a diner, and then you have people who do like the local menus, and you have people, and you work way up, and it's like when you, I'm taking it out even further into special effects. People want to go see the 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 big these big superhero movies and sci-fi movies, and they have all the great special effects now. Again, back to now to the, the writing people. It's all about story and narrative, you know, not just the special effects. There we go. But um, I, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, and uh, other DreamWorks, none of these big companies doing these big, that they take the time to do it right. And a lot of people don't want to take the time to do it right because they know they can just get by with mediocre. Yes. Now, at the same time, in the world, with how many billions, millions, and billions of people, including the China Chinese people, <laughs> um, and we all can't be top of the heap. But uh, in order to even get a chance of being at top of the heap, you have to be willing to put the time in and the practice and all that kind of stuff. Um, the saying where it takes 10,000 hours working and practicing on something before you become a master. And if you do the math in that, that's like if you're practicing on something every day for, I can't remember, X number of hours for five years solid. I mean, that's a lot. you know. And, and most of us, especially, I mean, we've talked about this as we get older and and if we maybe haven't made uh you know we all have certain dreams different points in our lives but we haven't made it we've made choices to get married and have kids and have jobs so we can pay the bills and all that kind of stuff it gets tougher and tougher to find the time to master something so sometimes when you see actually not sometimes probably more often times when you see someone who's able to have all of that in their lives and still master a creative craft um that's that's pretty amazing. Oh, know? geez, yeah. Um, but so yeah. Yeah. what you're saying about being a master comes back to kind of what I was saying about why I was upset with the grunge movement because I was aspiring to be that master. And that's what, like, you know, guys like Steve I, they practice 10 hours a day, mm-hmm. you know, and then did their shows and you know, went out and gigged and all this sort of stuff. So, like, there's, there's, I feel like there was a certain. Is it quality? I'm not sure the word I'm looking for. Work there. ethic. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. That's a good way of putting it. Like a, just a certain work ethic to aspire to. But so this kind of pulls back into like the now the maker movement. So I started sending you all those videos today 
because and I can't I can't remember how this started. Like I, I pulled up YouTube to look at something, and yeah, YouTube will suggest things for you. Mm-hmm. The last couple of days, YouTube has suggested nothing but things that look dumb. I'm like, okay, you know what are these? And then something made me scroll. And what caught my eye was that uh, tremolo that, that, I, that I sent you. It was probably the first video that I sent you. And um, I, I, you know, I put it, I put it on Twitter. So again, if you guys are following me on Twitter, you can the see all this stuff. Mel Nine, the no, electro harmonic. Oh no, not the Mel Nine. The, oh, yeah, you know what? Say that we got to take it, talk about the Mel Nine before we go. But so, was that really the first one? Uh, I can have sworn the tremolo was the first one that I sent you. Uh, the, the weekend project, the tremolo. And filmmaking and optical trim. There we go, the optical trim. Yeah. Well, did I send you the 2.0 or did I send you the first one? Uh, Mel 9 or the optical? The optical. Uh, I'm clicking on it now. Anyway, so. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, so anyone who listens to the show knows that I've been trying to build effects. Um, I think it's 1.0. Okay, good. That's the one I want to talk about. I'm trying to build effects. I've actually, um, if you follow the blog and my Instagram, you can see where I put together a small booster circuit. I found a um, a make lab here in Charleston, um, you know, through Meetup, and I, I attended their their soldering 101 class and got back into soldering and all that sort of stuff. And I was, you know, really following the maker stuff last year, and then it's hard. It's, it's hard for me to find not necessarily the time, but a place where I can set these things up and solder, you know, where things aren't going to get knocked over and all that sort of stuff. So it's comfortable. So I'm, tr- I'm still trying to figure that out. But then this video just pops up today, right? And I'm like, wow, what's this? So the optical tremolo, did you get a chance to watch that video? Uh, no, I did not. I'm, I, I, well, I can't now, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I can. But, I'll, I'll just uh, sit here silently and wait. Yes. You know, yeah. every, well, we got to feed, feed the audio in. We got to get the production value, man. No. no, 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 no. We'll just sit here in silence. That'll be way cooler. Oh, yeah. Dead air. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody loves dead air. Anyway, so you know, when I, like, last time I, I was down your way and we went to Atomic Music back in March, mm-hmm. um, I was checking out all the different tremolos they had because they had the whackdown one. So they had the noise kick effects, Howler. Absolutely love the Howler. Like, and I don't know if you've seen any of the videos on YouTube for that one. Uh, that is definitely on my wish list. Like, I got to get one of those. Um, the Trio. That was the one that had the tube in it. You know, so the Trio yeah, Neptune. Was, yeah, yeah. That was that was probably my favorite of the day, just sound wise. Like, are you hearing that? What? You hear that? No. Why? What are you doing? No, I was I was wondering if it was going through the mic. No, carry on. Sorry. What are you doing? I was watching the video and I started playing music and I wasn't sure if that was coming through my audio. Yeah, so let's not because I, I we probably don't have rights to play that stuff. So <laughs> <No>. anyway, <laughs> um, dude, where was I going with this? This is just uh, like our the, real the, conversations. The tube, the, okay, yeah. Uh, so the tubes, the triode, right? So I liked the triode tremolo the best that night. Like, cause, I mean, and we tr- we tr- that that and that love pedal um, vibrato that I played, but so. Like the triode was it was probably probably like my favorite just for the sound because it was kind of close to my demeter. Like it it had that, I, I I feel like it had a nice Fender circuit kind of sound. But the the howler was just so cool because I like those aggressive ones. And then um, watching the videos where you can do the feedback, I'm like, oh my goodness, all the crazy things I can do with this, right? Um, and that that's what like I I I mean you know the name of the podcast Signal to Noise. I enjoy a sonic painting. You know, just throw the noise out there, that kind of stuff. But so, um, 
you know, you know, I love tremolo. You know how tremolo works, you know, it adjusts the volume and you can change the rate and the depth and all that sort of stuff. So this pedal, right, is an optical style tremolo, which is how most of them were, were done. And the ones that they used to do where they would put the, um, they put like an LED or some sort of lamp in a, like a, you know, a shrink tube, a dark tube or something with a photocell. And then they would, you know, flash the light and that, um, can, this photocell controls the sound, all that sort of stuff. So same thing on this Mager one, but I want to build this and put this on my board because it's going to be the coolest looking pedal ever. There's no stop switch. So I'd either have to figure out how to, how to put one in or do something. Um, but the optical cell is on the outside, right? So they've actually got a flashlight, a gooseneck flashlight that points down towards the optical cell, right? So that's the light source that goes right onto the, um, the photo cell. Then they have a motor. And so you control the motor with the rheostat. I think it's the rheostat. Still not getting good with electronics yet, guys. Give me a break. But you control the speed of the motor, and that um, controls how fast the disc goes. Now, you print out these discs on a clear film, and then you know you make patterns and just blacking out parts of the disc. And depending on that pattern, is going to depend on what the tremolo sounds like. So most tremolos have like you know maybe two different waveforms, and they all sound very similar. This is one of the first ones that was really really different, you know. And so you've got this crazy spinning disc. And not to mention, like, it just looks cool because you, like, remember, like, when we were watching the, the triode with the tube and, like, the light would blink with the speed of the tremolo? Or no. Mm-hmm. Or was that the noise kick? Which one Which one had the lights that would blink with the speed of the tremolo? Uh, or was that even a third one that I'm not even mentioning? I'm trying to remember. Is it the small light? The small red light? Or gold, orange, or something like that? Because keep- the one that had the big... Uh, roll cage or the roll pars around oh, so, the tube. So it was the triode pedal. But I don't know if that had the big, the light that, that flickered. Oh. But no matter. It, but it's, but anyway, yeah, it's, 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 it's a visual representation of the, the waveform and the pattern. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and we both really like that because it was just, it was kind of cool to, to, to see that when you're playing. So this, uh, this one that the weekend project guys put together basically does the same thing, right? But it, you've got this visual with a disc. So, You've got these crazy looking patterns. Then there's a 2.0 version where they actually like mount a CD. <laughs> it's pretty cool. They mount a CD to it and That's draw what patterns I was curious. So I'm looking at the 1.0. I was wondering if that was a cut down or a mini CD disc using 1.0, but you're saying it's just film on, uh, I don't know what the substrate is. but uh. So it's, it's basically the same, the same kind of material that we used to use for the overheads in school, like the overhead slides. But, but that's all? Yeah. That's all? Okay. I would think we'd have to have some rigidity to it so it didn't flop around. Well, it's so small, I don't think you have to worry about it. Okay. You know, because I mean, that is really... Because I, I, I had an interesting idea. If you're taking the, 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 yeah. the, the light... Sets off the photo, uh, the photo cell, and it's and it's um, and it's blocked out by the black that's on the the overhead, yeah, the, the plastic. That if you're actually to variably be able to move the position of the light, or the photo cell itself, or the photoreceptor, whatever it is, right, um, so that you could have different patterns on the disc, not only in radius. But along 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 the straight, uh, like the perpendicular from center out to the edge, you could actually have some really weird stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, yeah, and that's one of the things they showed. So you can't move the 
the the photo cell, but you can point that gooseneck wherever way. And they're they're showing that in the video too. Like it's it seems like it's a really simple circuit. I love how they put it together. Super super easy. So it's something I'm going to be be trying here. Like I'm going to go um, download everything, start sourcing the parts, um, and then just you know build the sucker. Because I mean I I love tremolo pedals. Like and I don't even I don't even understand why. I think it's like the Tommy James. What's the Tommy James um, song? Tommy James and the Shondells, Crimson and Clover. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that's probably, that, that's probably, probably like one of the most famous examples of Tremolo. I love that song. But then also like, um, growing up listening to Bo Diddley, I didn't, it, it's funny the things that I didn't um, realize then that I realize now, and I just got your text message, Chris. You could have just told okay. me I had to wrap up soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I didn't want to interrupt the flow. You know, it's all right. Just yeah, when I take a breath, hey man, I got to run. All right, so we'll start. We'll start um, wrapping this down. Last thing, then, the Mel Nine. Did you watch the Mel Nine video? I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I'm sorry. Dude, that's the whole reason I sent the videos. Want to do the podcast? <laughs> morning. I'm at work all day. I just got home. Jeez. Man, you're at work all day looking at guitars. I look, I look, we talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Anyway, so the Mel 9, um, do you remember when I got the plug-in for the Melodyne for for, um, for Logic? You, uh, do, do you know what a Melodyne is? Did we talk about that? So the Melodyne was one of the earliest forms of a synthesizer that could model other instruments, but they did it by making tapes of those instruments at that pitch for the key on the keyboard. So, um, a great example would be, uh, strawberry fields by the Beatles. Um, in the middle where they had those, those really haunting flutes that, when they had that flute sound in there and it's just, you know, you can tell it's a flute, but it sounds a little strange. That's a melodyne. Okay. Right. And so like, I've always been fascinated with the Melodyne. Like I had a, a plugin for it for logic, you know, so I could get, get those sounds. I, I like those sounds. So electroharmonics come, puts out the Mel nine and you know, it's the Mel nine because they have nine different presets, but I'm watching the video and they're playing, um, cashmere, Led Zeppelin, and they're using the pedal and they're looping into it, but they're recording, um, cashmere, I think it was like an acoustic electric, but they're doing the string parts. They're doing all this stuff. I'm like, this thing sounds amazing. You can mimic the orchestra, choirs, you know, flutes, all that sort of stuff. Like I, I, it is absolutely like on my wish list here. I probably, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to prioritize the, the effects I want to get. I, Cause I, you know, I go through this where <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I don't need any more effects. And then it's just like a sickness. It's like, yeah. it's like I catch the fever. Dude, the Mel Nine man, holy cow! You got to watch that video. Like, I, I will. I, I, I have it. Phenomenal. Up. All right. So, since we're wrapping up, man, anything gear wise you want to talk about? Mention. Uh, gear wise. Yeah. Um. Anything that's been catching your eye? Anything you're thinking about? Uh. Well, other than talk about that rogue guitar, which really isn't any great gear, but. Yeah. Uh, um. No, no, nothing. I mean, I mean, I got computer stuff. I always want, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, new Mac, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, no, no, not really. I'm trying to keep the gas at bay, I guess you could say lately. For now. For uh, now. It, it tends to get, it tends to get, uh, unleashed, uh, when either you come here or I go there. But th- this, this is me putting my, 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 my 
foot in the water with this podcast thing, so I'll I'll try to be better prepared, and we can have a little more lead up time and on a specific. Well, so I, I like this foot in the water thing. So this means I should be able to get you on another show. Yeah, absolutely. This is good because I like having a co-host. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. It's all right, I mean, man. Depending who we're talking to, if it's someone who like I'll just keep you know that uh, I don't want to look like an idiot, I'll just keep my mouth shut. Or I can cool. just be I can be like you know uh, your your Ed McMahon your your um uh, what's what's Conan O'Brien's sidekick? I, oh, I have no idea. Uh, any rate, <laughs> uh, I can't remember anything right now. Any rate, so so are you ready for the cheesy ending tagline? Uh oh, you have a you have a tagline? Oh yeah, at the end. Okay, got you. Like I, I say it every time, and I normally say it in my podcast voice, but you know I'm feeling a little more natural, right? Okay, we'll see. So ready? All right, so guys, we're wrapping up. That's it. If you love the show, um, hit us up on Facebook. Well, you know what? I always try to talk about Facebook, but really, I don't do much on Facebook. I really don't like it. Um, <laughs> I just don't. You really got to work on that tagline, man. I, well, no, no, no. The tagline's it's coming. That smooth. Tagline's coming. This is the this is the, like the promo stuff. So oh, okay. Twitter and Instagram, same handle at sgnl. The number two n z. Uh, for Signal to Noise. So you can hit me up at both places. Um, I've got my Instagram feed is up on the website, signaltonoise.fm. That is t- two as in T-O. So signaltonoise.fm. Um, check out the website. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. And then here comes the cheesy tagline, Chris. Until next time, make some noise. Make some noise.